We were watching the Apple keynote, and they're showing all the things the new phones and the watch can do. So they're projecting these slides of screenshots. And in those screenshots, you know, they have, you got an email from so-and-so. And they have to pick real names uh, to put up there. And one of the names that struck us as particularly uh, unique was the name Sam Bebs. There, there's all kinds of, you know, very specific names. Wondering, how did they come up with them? Like the name Sam Bebs. Jonathan Lee is managing director of brand strategy for Huge Inc. He knows about this stuff. It, it's actually remarkably simple. Those names are often chosen by people within the agency or within the team that was making the piece of work. And they are probably names of people who actually worked on the project. And uh, they do it just to avoid legal issues. Really? So they use a specific name so that no one can say, hey, that's me later. Correct. That's exactly right. Many, many, many years ago, I was an assistant uh, uh, to an assistant to an assistant on a project. And um, I've been trying to remember which brand it was, but my name was used uh, in a print ad as a, a customer. I, I forget the exact details, but I signed a piece of paper and said, yes, they could use my name and off it went. Do you get a, a back end on that? I wish I did. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Is there a Sam Bebs out there somewhere? I am pretty sure there probably is, yes. I wouldn't be surprised if he touched the project in some way, shape, or form. Hello, Sam? Hello. You are right? Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. This this is uh, this is Sam Bebs we're talking to? Yeah, I am. Yeah, my name is Sam Bebs. It seems like I was the chosen one. <laughs> so you didn't... <laughs> You didn't actually know that you were the Sam Bebs. No, I, well, I was I was traveling at the time, and um, a few friends they uh, they sort of put it on my Facebook. They said, you know, we've we've just seen you on like the Apple. You know, they sent me a screenshot, and I thought well, they might have photoshopped it. But then a few more people like popped up saying, "Hey, you're on the hey, you're on the keynote," and it was <laughs> it was really surreal. <laughs> a lot of people saw the name Sam Bebs for the first time in the Apple keynote. And they yeah. they wondered, like I did, who is Sam Bebs? Can you just, t- <laughs> do you want to take this opportunity to tell tell the world a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. Well, I'm Sam Bebs. I'm uh, 20. I'm a student at the University of Hertfordshire, uh, just outside of London. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> have you ever met another Sam Bebs in your life? Uh, no, I can't say I have. Um yeah, it's really weird to see that like, they've used such an unusual name. Um, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Sam. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. No, no, it's been great. <laughs> okay, we still haven't found Apple's Sam Bebs. Or the Sam Bebs that we assume is the official Apple Sam Bebs. So, Sam Bebs, the real Sam Bebs, if you're listening, you know, give, give us a call. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. On today's show, how to make sense of the credits at the end of a movie. But first, uh, we both doodle when we're doing these interviews, but even when we're not. I was just doodling while we were talking to Sam Bebs. What did you draw a picture of? Sam Bebs. And you, you may think that doodling is something only the modern worker does in the cubicle culture that we have. Eric Kwakel is on the line with us now. He's a manuscript scholar in the Netherlands. He looks at medieval manuscripts from more than a thousand years ago. So, Eric, people back then, back in the Middle Ages, they were doodling too? 
Yeah, true doodles, like, uh, say, meaningful drawings that actually show something like a face, um, that's, that's so I guess, a face is, is, is something that you find very often, for example. So it might be connected to a, a letter or a letter D or an O, something that's already round. Somebody might, uh, might uh, put eyes in it or a smiley <laughs> face, etc. So it's, it's really quite amusing, and it, and it brings you really very close to that medieval reader who's already been... Uh, you know, died like a thousand years ago. So it's it's quite phenomenal to to see that for the first time. I mean, I'm I'm looking at my pad of paper in front of me, and I I see little smiley faces that I've drawn here. Is it is it that simple? It's that simple. <laughs> it's you know what? It's just it's just so much more appealing than your writing. Sorry to say, because it's so old, yeah. and uh, because you're actually looking at monks that are in a cell somewhere in a monastery deep in the middle of nowhere. That, that sort of grab their ink pot to write a smiley face. And that sort of extra load, the extra dynamic, makes it very interesting, um, also historically. You know, it's, it's, it becomes actually just as important, I find, as the text uh, that, that, that surrounds. It's amazing to think that these monks who live this life of contemplation, where they're meditating, are just as restless as we are. Yeah. It's a, it, you know what? You also see uh, words in the margin or opinions. There's a very nice one that I saw it's uh, somebody's reading uh, a Bible translation, and this is a translation that's actually studied by by scholars quite uh, quite intensely because it's one of the oldest ones in uh, in Dutch. It uh, dates from the uh, late 13th century, and the, this reader does not like the translation and and makes that known in the lower margin. So he writes down, "Whoever translated this text did a poor job." So it's, <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's like a statement, and you might even think now, okay, that's very interesting. Somebody reflects on the text, but from a medieval perspective, it's quite unusual to actually realize that the text is flawed and that you need to reflect on this for everybody to see. Generations to come, to flip to that page and see that remark in the lower margin. It sounds like these are, I mean, were these used as, um, in the same way that we would use textbooks in school? Um, there are actually quite a lot of textbooks, and, and certain textbooks, especially from the law faculty for some reason, have great uh, examples of doodling in the margin, also between the text columns, and very often it's, it's faces and heads. Um, they, make, they make fun of teachers. You, you <laughs> see the teacher with his, uh, with his teacher's hat. That's very typical. Um, and then there's something, uh, you know, written underneath it that I shan't, shall repeat. But, um, so, so Can you please repeat what that one thing says? Well, it's, it's, it actually says, this is a poor teacher. <laughs> oh. This teacher is horrible. <laughs> and um, and and it's really a reflection of, uh, of of a student, and you can see him as well, right? He 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 finds the lectures probably very boring, and uh, he doodles and then writes something underneath it. And but but it's his own book, and so he can get away with it, and okay. it also uh, remains, as it were. Are, are you are you a doodler? <laughs> I'm big on doodling, yes. And I realize it's almost always the same thing. You must have that too. That you sort of repeating things that come naturally out of your fingertips. Yeah. What? So what, what's yours? Mine is, uh, I like uh, to make my, uh, write down my name, uh-huh. but in, in big letters, and then, and then I try to sort of make it, give it a 3D effect, so I draw it to the background. That's what I do a lot. You know, encountering, as you do, that some doodles last through the centuries and are seen by scholars hundreds of years into the future, does it make you think differently about how you craft your name in 3D? <laughs> it makes me think different about when I do it in my own books because that's something that will last beyond myself, so to speak. So I'm I'm actually careful what I write down in my in the margins of my books. Yeah. Thanks for talking to us about this, Eric. 
You're welcome. If you want to look at these medieval doodles, and you should, they're hilarious, Eric collects them on his blog. We'll put the link to that on our website, howtodoeverything.org. We heard from John. John listens to How to Do Everything while driving through the streets of Vicenza, Italy. Is that right? John, these next 15 seconds are for you. A voi, miei signori, io voglio narrare la storia che tanto mi fa John, I, I don't know if this is right, but I'm imagining you in a tiny fiat on tiny little curvy streets. Stone, cobble, cobblestone streets, dodging Vespas. It's 1950 in the picture I have in my head. I don't know if that's right. Probably not. He's got the, you got a striped shirt on. You've got a little cap. It would, it would be hard to email us from 1950. And there's gunfire. Lots of gunfire. You're, you're on the run. I don't know what you did, John, but go. Well, it's that time of the show where we take a break from our integrity and uh, try and make some money. Yeah, I want to tell you about something I'm passionate about, Trunk Club. Support for How to Do Everything comes from Trunk Club, a men's outfitting service focused on simplifying the process of clothes shopping. Because, boy, what is harder than going to the store and picking out clothes? I know, which is on top, pants or shirt. So here's how it works. Every guy that uses Trunk Club is matched up with a stylist. They'll find out what you like, what you don't like, and then they will put together a package of clothes, a trunk, and send it to your house. It's like getting a present that you pay for. So then what you do is you open the trunk, you pick out the clothes you like, you send back the things you don't like. Shipping is free both ways. You don't have to pay for anything unless you want to buy it. To try out Trunk Club's clothing discovery service, check out trunkclub.com everything. Don't forget the slash everything. That's how they know we sent you. Are we done? Maybe this has happened. You've watched a movie. I have. And you watch it to the very end to where the credits start rolling up the screen. Yes. And if you pay close enough attention, you may see some strange titles uh, that people do during movies. I, I realize I have no idea what most of these titles are. John August is a screenwriter in Hollywood. So, John, let's start here. What's a best boy? Best boy, you can think of it as a foreman on a job. So it's usually the person who is the assistant to the department head. So if you have a gaffer... Uh, that person is in charge of that whole department. The best boy is the person right below that person. There would be like a lighting gaffer. Yeah, exactly. So gaffer is in charge of anything that plugs in. So anything oh. with it's a light, anything with power, anything that could electrocute somebody, that's a gaffer. Okay. And so you often see a best boy electric, uh, which is second to gaffer. It's interesting because uh, for me, like best boy, I conjure, you know, a kid in a news cap or something yeah. yeah it's it's not that at all it's it's a real bona fide position and so so on a certain show a person might be functioning as the best boy electric um for like a big studio feature but she is also best boy for she's actually a gaffer on a smaller feature so it just depends on the nature of what she's doing so i take it a best boy is not necessarily a boy it is not necessarily a boy at all so when you're on a set what do you? How do you refer to the best boy? Do you say, uh, "Boy, could you help us with this"? Uh, you refer to people by their names. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, generally on a set, there's a, a person who's in charge of sort of each department, and you go to them and sort of tell them what they need. But they're the ones who are giving out the orders for what everything else uh, needs to happen. 
so sometimes, and I think the, this is more on TV, but uh, also in film, you'll see like the actors listed one by mm-hmm. one, either together or in cards. And then yes. there'll be a separate screen where it says, you know, and Meryl Streep as mm-hmm. the grocer. Yes. Is that just... Uh, aesthetic or does that mean something too no it means something because it means that there was a negotiation so when uh that actors that actress made her deal to be in the show she insisted that she be on a separate card and that uh her role be listed and and honestly it's one of those things that doesn't really cost any money so sometimes when you're trying to close a deal for someone to star in your movie you might say like we'll give you a card oh yeah and um it's cheaper than sort of getting them a bigger trailer is there anything, John, that we could do right now mm. that uh, would earn us a credit in your next movie? Wow. Um, well, sometimes, especially for indie films, if you just write a big check, uh, then you can sort of be, <laughs> uh, be in that movie. So if you see a movie that has like 15 producers listed, yeah. some of those people just wrote big checks. And God bless them for writing big checks because it lets us make movies. Okay, that's not going to happen with us. No, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Well, John, thanks so much. All right, thanks. All right, Bye. Okay. You do wonder what it's like for a best boy who's a girl. On the line with us now is Meg Schrock. She is, in fact, a best boy girl. So, Meg, how how do people react when, you know, they learn you're a best boy? Uh, I guess a lot of people are like, but if you're a girl, why do they call you a best boy? Or don't you want to be called the best girl? Or that's even if they already know my job title. They're like, so, you're the, like, when the new job starts, they're like, so, you're the best boy. Do you want us to call you the best girl? So that's an option, to be called best girl. No, I don't let it be an option because I feel like, <laughs> well, I like, guess it's like there's a kind of a double standard because gaffer is actually like a gender-specific term also. I think it's an old Nordic term for grandfather. So oh. if that's already gender-specific, it's probably not fair to like, you know, you shouldn't change that to gammer. <laughs> so why would I change best boy to best girl? You know, there's like a million, a million funky terms in film, like the tweeny and the and babies and... Wait, you have all sorts of what like, are those weird... things? <laughs> what's a betweeny and what's a baby? Oh, those are all names of like lights. Oh, but, like uh... I don't know. There's just they they have like funky. Everything's got a funky name. So like best boy is is just like it's like a stepping point. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> it's not that it's not that exciting of a title. <laughs> to be the best boy isn't like oh you're the best boy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's so you know specific, and I think everybody knows like. When you think about things you see in the credits of a movie, the things you look at are key grip and best boy because they, they kind of stand out. It's just a stepping stone. Like, all the best boys out there are, like, hoping to be the, the key grip or the gaffer someday. Not, they're not like, I'm going to be a lifelong best boy. Though there are people who are lifelong best boys. Well, you know, I think about it, where we work, it's, there's associate producers, assistant producers, producer, senior producer, executive producer. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and in the speed of the workday, you abbreviate everybody to producer. Do you ever right. just, do you guys just get called boys? Or is it always best boy? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no one has ever been called a boy. Okay. Usually it's abbreviated to BBE or BBG. Oh, Okay. But does it has any that is funny. Has any gaffer ever come up to you and at the end of the day and been like, you know what, Meg? Today you were my best boy. Great job. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's never happened. No, but people all the time joke around. They're like, hey, man, you're the best. Like, if you do something like you like bring somebody a coffee or like you know you just do something nice and somebody you bring them. Uh, Whatever. And they're like, dude, you're the best. And then they'll be like, boy, electric. Boom. <laughs> and like, they can figure out it. But it's like, you're like, all right, that was clever. <laughs> yeah. Every time. <laughs>
<laughs> well, that does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I, I learned that people have been doodling all the way back. I mean, essentially, I guess that's what cave art is. Just doodles. Yeah. Because imagine how bored they are. And you, and your language is so unsophisticated that your conversations are just grunts. So, of course, you're going to get bored and just draw things on the wall. Do you think other cave uh, cavemen and women got annoyed? Hey, could you pay attention? I sometimes think about what it was like back then. I was I was looking up the stars recently. Right. And I was looking at the, I, the saw the Big Dipper. Okay. And then I was looking up at Orion, Orion's belt. And I thought how boring it used to be that that was the entertainment that you would connect dots in the sky and say they looked like things. You just think about how bored you would have to be. No, I can I can feel that. I can listening to you right now. I know exactly how bored they were. How to Do Everything is produced by Jillian Donovan. We would like to welcome Jillian Donovan, our producer. A real producer. It's official, Jillian. You're the producer. You can't leave. Technical direction this week from Lorna White. Our intern is Kelsey Hardison. Sorry, Kelsey, you're stuck too. Our artist in residence is Justin Witte. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Sam. Sam, what's your last name? Bebs. Sam Bebs? Yes. Now, wait a minute. We were just talking to a Sam Bebs earlier, but it was a guy, and he was British. I am a girl, and I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, when did you find out that you were famous? Well, I was actually at work, and my best friend sent me a screenshot of her... Um, from Facebook of the advertisement. Yeah. Did they send you a free phone? No, I wish. Well, I have to tell you, Sam, it wasn't that long ago we were talking to this other Sam Bebs. Uh, he's a student uh, outside London. Mm-hmm. What, does that just completely rock your world to know that there's a male version of you out there somewhere? It's crazy. It's just as crazy as Apple putting my name on an ad that I've never... That's such a weird last name. Like, no one else has it. What you know, if you could if you could say something to that other Sam Bebs out there, what would you say to him? I'd like to know what he looks like. <laughs> but really, I mean I, I think we're probably gonna have to leave the episode here. What we know is that there is a third Sam Bebs out there. Go find him or her. We'll do our best.